Welcome to Laxicon, the podcast for lacrosse coaches who want to elevate their focus on building responsibility and accountability in their players. Join us as we talk to top coaches at all levels and find out how they are able to grow and develop their programs and players. Hello, Laxicon listeners, and welcome to another edition of Laxicon Lacrosse. Today, I am honored to speak with Colgate University's head men's lacrosse coach, Mike Murphy. Coach Murphy is headed into his fifth year at the helm of the Raiders, and he has had tremendous success winning two Patriot League titles in four years and tying a record for the most wins over a four-year period at Colgate with 41 wins against 24 losses. I could go on about Coach Murphy's lacrosse accolades, but this podcast is about more than that. In this podcast, Coach Murphy takes us behind the scenes to the leadership and character development that he has brought to Colgate from being the son of a Marine Corps colonel and from his seven years as an assistant coach at Army. Coach Murphy talks to us about leading from the point of friction and the Leadership Academy program that his team actively participates in. He also talks about events and activities his team participates in that instill a sense of responsibility and accountability into his players. And he shares with us his thoughts about goal setting and how to effectively mentor your players. I know you will enjoy this discussion with Coach Murphy. So without further ado, here is our interview with Coach Murphy. Hey, Coach. This is uh, Paul Limpert uh, with uh, Laxacon Lacrosse. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Hi, Paul. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. Hey, uh, you ready to jump right into this or do you want to? Sure. Okay. Um, my, uh, podcast that's getting up and going is, you know, I've listened to you on, uh, Lax Coach Mike, which I notice is also your Twitter handle, but it's not, not exactly the website Lax Coach Mike I'm talking about, but I've, li- I've right. listened to, I've listened to the way you, you, uh, you know, your tactics of the game, your drills, uh, I've listened to all that stuff and, and I've gotten a lot out of those podcasts. Uh, this one's a little bit different. This one, uh, we focus on more of the team building aspect, things that go on around the game. And uh, obviously, um, you've been able to, to, to do both. You've been able to bring your lacrosse expertise to the game and do great things with it. And uh, my guess is you're also able to do some great things with the guys in terms of uh, team building and leadership and development of them as young men. So that's kind of what I want to explore with this podcast. Um, okay. So I've I've, uh, there's a lot we, we can know about you off the internet, but if you could briefly just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, uh, you know, what you're about and, uh, how, why, uh, you know, why, how you came to be a head lacrosse coach at Colgate and, uh, why you love the sport of lacrosse. Paul, thanks for having me, uh, on your podcast. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about all the different things that we do at Colgate, not only, you know, on the field, but off the field. Uh, in terms of, you know, building the culture of our guys and, and our program. Um, you know, as you can, you probably read in the, uh, on, on my bio, you know, I spent eight years at West Point, a place that you're very, very familiar with. Yes. Um, and, you know, we've just, what we've tried to do is I've taken, you know, eight years of, of being at West Point, watching, you know, some of the greatest, uh, you know, uh, develop leader developers um, in the country there and, and, and try to, you know, kind of infuse that in a lot of the different things that we do, um, you know, here at Colgate, whether that's, 
um, you know, getting our guys in, in leadership roles, getting, you know, in terms of, you know, just seniors that maybe aren't captains, um, doing things that uh, just to make sure that they're getting in front of the guys, um, giving the players just ample opportunities to lead. You know, I, I heard a great, uh, great example. We bring the program in uh, these last couple of years to Eric Capitulic, who's a Naval Academy graduate, and he runs the program. And they, uh, they gave us a great moniker, and it was uh, lead from the point of friction. A lot of times you hear people say lead from the front where, you know, sometimes you need to, you know, if the point of friction is in the middle and then maybe that's not where you're, you know, you're the most concise in the things that you need to do and maybe you need to get your leaders in the middle. Uh, And then there's always the guys, you know, that can lead from the back end of it uh, and help push the guys around, uh, push the guys along, not necessarily around, but push them along into the things that they need to be doing. So we, we try to do our best to put our guys in just different situations that will, kind of tax them, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, in order for, for us to, you know, be successful on Saturdays. Well, that's, that's great. And I, I am really uh, interested in, uh, you know, even though it's a Navy guy that comes, uh, you know, adding to the program <laughs> there, you know, being a, being a West Point graduate, I, I, I will say this, uh, Army and Navy root for each other all the way up to the, all the way up to game day when we play each other. Yeah, Absolutely. That, on that day, but other than that, um, <laughs> nope, no, I've been in uh, in plenty of those. I haven't spent, as I said, eight years, uh, you know, on the banks of the Hudson, right there. Uh, I know what it's like, you know, every, uh, you know, every every single day, every contest is, you know, your your root for your, you know, your brother in arms. But when it comes down to, you know, that Army Navy game or that Army Air Force game, uh, we we want to we want to win. And, absolutely. Uh, uh, now for for me, now on the other side of it, I, I have all my you know, all my former players say, you know, they want us to win every game but one, and that's the Army game. So right. um, we still, uh, my wife and I, you know, we met at West Point. Um, and in, in our kitchen, it still says, you know, eat, uh, you know, eat, drink, and beat Navy. So the beat <laughs> Navy part of it is not too far from, uh, you know, all the conversations that we have in our home, even here in Hamilton, New York. I love it. Well, hey, let's talk about what you do with the guys. And I'm going to kind of direct this in a, a number directions i think you know where i'm headed with this so i'll try to stick to to a, a line of line of questioning we've discussed ahead of time but what type of uh, i i know you have you're limited in the amount of contact you can have with the guys i know the ncaa has a, a little bit of you know control over that but i know that there's also some things you can do outside of that and are there some uh, team building events or social events or any community service events that you uh, try to get your guys into and if so, what uh, what's the aim of those events? What what are you trying to get done? Well, Paul, with with my my having left, you know, the United States Military Academy, um, and then maybe the other thing you asked a question about, maybe stuff that you don't know from reading my bio, but something that I'm very very proud of is I'm the son of a Marine Corps Colonel, you know, and 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 so having the the military has been something that's been in my life my entire life, you know, from from birth and. Um, so one of the things that was important to me after two years here, I felt that there was a void kind of in my own, you know, interaction with, with those, the folks that I had, I had spent so much time with, you know, while I was at West Point. So we've started along with Steve Heller, who is, um, the 1993 grad of the United States Military Academy, played the cross. Uh, he and Adam Silva, and Adam Silva is, is one of the exec, chief executives 
uh, of the Wounded Warrior Project. Uh-huh. And our team, along with five other college teams, have started this event called Face Off for the Cause. Um, and, and, and so what, it's, what it does is, is it's, a, it's a fall lacrosse tournament, and it raises money for you know, the wonderful people um, that run the Wounded Warrior Project. So we've gotten our guys in the philanthropy of doing that, you know, and, and, and giving back, That's awesome. um, you know, our time. And, and we raise, you know, we, the, the boys sell T-shirts um, to raise money for that, you know, that event. Um, so that's been one thing that we've done to, you know, kind of have a, you know, philanthropic scope to our, to our guys and, you know, our aspiring CEOs and lawyers and doctors and all those kind of things. And I just wanted it to be, you know, kind of part of their lexicon as they get ready to, you know, when they graduate, if you've been doing it for four years, once you graduate, you, it, it's going to be part of who you are. So you're going to continue to, you know, to write that check to something like the Wounded Warrior Project or, you know, the, the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund. So our guys have kind of gotten involved in that. Um, and then the other thing that our, our players have been involved into, one of my former assistants, uh, is Verse Cancer. And Verse Cancer is an organization um, created by a young man who played baseball at the, at the University of North Carolina. And it's, it's one of these you know, organizations that help raise money for pediatric cancer. So those two things are something that we do on a national level in terms of our philanthropy. Uh, and then the other one that we're involved in more on a local uh, capacity is, is we have our athletic department has adopted a classroom. And with the Sherburn Earlville School District, which is the school district that's right next to ours in Hamilton, okay. uh, our team has adopted two classes, a first-grade class and a second-grade class. And they go, you know, once a week to each class, and they just, you know, they spend time with those, you know, the young boys and girls in that class and give up their time. Um, so I just think, you know, there's three great ways that we get our guys doing things outside of the classroom as well as outside of lacrosse. That is awesome. I bet those first and second graders love that. Yeah, our guys tend to be rock stars in that environment, so it's yeah. pretty good for the kids too. They're they're getting our, our players are getting a lot out of you know those interactions uh, with the young boys and girls of, of Sherburne and Arrowville. Well, it, it sounds like they're leveraging their strengths too. I mean, they're using lacrosse, which is a strength. It's a comfort area for them, and when when it's been shown that when the, these kids give from an area of strength, that they really have a greater feel for what it means to give and it, and, it, and they're they're much better at it and they're much more apt to want to come back and do it again in different capacities as well so i think what you're doing there is just fantastic and it's going to really help those boys they may not even know it right now but they will know it later when they're still doing it and making an impact on others and getting that feedback from them that's awesome yeah i couldn't agree i couldn't agree with you more okay um you know, do you have what you would consider or, or what do you consider to be your leadership development program? Do you have something like that or do you call it that or is it just informal? I, I just think it's, you know, I don't know that I have a program. I just think it's kind of our everyday being. The, you know, the, my, my goal for our team is just to, you know, whether it's on the field or off the field, it's just to get better every single day and, you know, continue to grow. And again, we don't, you know, we don't name captains until the end of the fall. So what it does is it gives every senior or every junior or every upperclassman a chance, you know, every once in a while if I've got a, you know, a project that comes up or I need to coordinate the guys in, in some sort of way, I may reach out to one guy and it's his job to coordinate, you know, the 47 to, you know, 48 other guys on our roster 
to get them to, you know, complete the mission, uh, right. if, if we continue to use, you know, military terms. Sure. And, and so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of leadership through osmosis. Yeah. It's not necessarily, you know, this is what you need to do. But again, I, I have to credit a lot of what, you know, uh, Eric Kapitulik and those guys brought with them from the program in terms of, you know, being selfless in, in the things that you do and looking out for, you know, the guy to your left and the guy to your right. The other, the other thing that we do here at Colgate, and I, I think that they do it in some other, you know, civilian institutions, is we have a thing called the Leadership Academy. Um, there's a gentleman who's, you know, who's done, looked into coaching and leadership, a guy named Jeff Jansen, and, and one of Jeff's um, kind of partners is a guy named uh, Greg Shelley, and Greg is a, uh, is a psychologist um, who works out of, you know, Ithaca College, and he's part of Greg's, or he's part of Jeff's, you know, kind of uh, fraternity of, of these, you know, leadership guys that come in and they speak to colleges and different teams. And we've talked a lot about our culture and, and how do you, you know, how do you do the right thing? And, and are, you know, are you, are you kind of, you know, are you half in, are you all in, are you kind of getting dipping a toe in it? And, and, and what we tell our guys is, is you got to be all the way in. You can't just dip a toe in it, whether it's, you know, the philanthropy that we try to do or the conditioning that we're doing or lacrosse or, you know, being the best student that you can be, you've got to be, you know, I want our guys to be the best versions of themselves, but you know, I also don't want them to be priests, right. uh, you know, in, in terms of, I want them to enjoy their college experience. And, and I think what we try to tell our guys is, you know, I understand that you're going to make some bad decisions. You know, we just want to make sure that those decisions aren't catastrophic. You're not going to, you know, change your life by getting behind the wheel of a car when you've, you know, had maybe a one, you know, one too many to drink, or you know, you're in a situation, you know, with a with a young lady, and and you know, you have to realize that no means no. I mean, the, the right. scope of, you know, in the in the climate of of college campuses and you know, um, sexual assault and and those kind of things is, you know, it is it is on the forefront of. Of, of college presidents and, and athletic directors and coaches. And we want to make sure that the education of our players is, you know, up to speed and that our guys realize that, you know, the decisions that you make are going to, you know, dictate, you know, the rest of your life. And again, they're not all polished. We know that if, if they were polished, none of us would have jobs. Right. They would go from, you know, they would go from the womb to wall street. And, and we know that we have to, you know, I, I take the mentorship of our guys, you know, very, very seriously. And as, as you look at it, I, I kind of look at it. And I, I'm the, you know, I'm the, I'm the father of a, a five-year-old and a, and a, and a two-year-old. So, and, or Dylan's about 17 months. So she's, you know, relatively new to this world. And I look at my guys a lot of times and I want to make sure that, you know what, if I had to answer the question or I, I asked, the, I posed the question of the coach that was coaching my son, or my daughter, how would I feel about it? And that's the way that I look at my guys every single day is I want to make sure that I'm doing right by them and by their parents. So, you know, at the end of the day, they can become the best version of themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Jeff Jansen's put out the leadership, uh, the captain's leadership manual, that program. I've, uh, I've read over that. I've, I kind of take a lot of stuff away from that. And I think that's a great uh, program to base it off of it, but it sounds like you're pulling a whole lot more stuff in. I like, I like how you said, you know, leadership by osmosis. Well, you got to put the kids into those situations and then that's where they grow. And it sounds like, you know, there's a, uh, a book out there called mindset. I don't know if you've ever read it by a woman named, I have not. Uh, it's a very good book. It's, um, it talks about the, uh, 
the why a lot of our kids uh, get that that to that position where they feel like you know the the world has uh, got a fixed uh, top end to them. And uh, she advocates that we talk to them a little bit different, and we talk to them sort of sounds a lot like what you're talking about, and in, in, in the put them into a growth mindset. You're going to make mistakes. And it's it's okay as long as through those mistakes you're making changes that, you know, are riding the ship and putting you back on track. Yeah, we can't we Correct. can't condemn yep. them for making the same mistakes that we made twenty years ago. Or in my case, and maybe that's, even longer. And that's where I think, you know, and that's why I think sometimes that colleges and universities sometimes, you know, they fail at leadership one oh one because we live in such a litigation society that, you know, all of a sudden a kid makes a bad decision and he gets, you know, he gets filleted for it. Right. And in terms of, you know, they, they take something away and they, and, the, and you get, and, and what happens is you lose the, you know, you lose the learning capacity that you can use off of a bad, you know, a bad decision. As long as, again, as long as that, that decision didn't affect somebody else's life. Um, as we would say, a catastrophic de- uh, decision. And, and I just think that they're all learning. I mean, they're, they're young people. As you, as you look at our college kids, and you know, you're a high school coach, and they all need guidance, whether it's guidance from home or guidance from a coach. And, you know, and everybody has a different family dynamic. And, you know, a lot of times as a coach, you may be, you know, the, the, the biggest male role model in that young person's life. Or if you're a female coach, you know, the best female role model in, in a young girl's in a young girl's life and, and I think right. that you know as coaches we need to take that seriously and and make sure that you know and even if you've got a you know you've got a stable home environment you've got to be a lot of times the echo of what mom and dad say I, I joke around with you know recruits all the time that you know if, if I'm if, if I'm doing my job correctly and I'm reminding with you of staying on your schoolwork and you know all the things and, and that, that moms and dads talk about as I would say you know I'm third in line behind mom and dad telling you you know no A no C's on your transcript we just want A's and B's and doing well on the SAT and, and staying out of trouble um, and it's, it's it's ironic it's funny you know how many times I say those things and you see a mom or a dad you know kind of sift in their chair and say you know Jimmy I say the same things out to you all the time and Again, it's just an echo. So now Jimmy hears it not only from this guy that he's going to go play for in, in two or three years or one year or whatever it may be, but, you know, you're just an echo of what mom and dad are saying. And then mom and dad have a have that trust in you that you're doing right by their son. Right. I mean, yeah, somebody once told me, as I'm, I'm a high school teacher. I, I was hasn't always been my career. I actually got into it because it was the only thing I could figure out how to do that would let me coach, that support my coaching habit. But uh, somebody told me once before I got into it, if you hate repeating yourself, you better not be a teacher. So yeah. You got to say it three times, if not more. But every oh yeah, these kids are no different. I mean, they're they're all focused in that way, um, or unfocused. I, I coached girls for a while, and I got to tell you, there's a there's quite a difference between girls, high school girls lacrosse players, and high school boys. And really, the impetus behind my my whole podcast is now that I'm back with the boys again, I'm seeing some major areas where there's just got to be a, a concerted focus on young men uh, because mm-hmm. they're, they're just not always focused on the, the goals that they should be focused on in their life, not just in their lacrosse, but in their life. And so that kind of takes yeah. me to the 
So the next question, do, do your players set goals? Do they have a formal goal setting session or is there, does that? Yep. Every, at the end of every fall, um, I sit down with every single one of our players and then that, and that young man's position coach, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball. And, and we talk about, you know, what we feel the young man's strengths are. And he has a sheet and I have a sheet. And, you know, hopefully if you're, if you're honest with yourself and you're honest with the young man, a lot of those things are similar. We all talk about our areas to improve. Um, and then his individual goals and then his goals for our team. And, you know, that's, that's usually about a half hour, you know, a 45-minute meeting uh, with the players after the fall season has, has wrapped up and we're gearing towards, you know, the spring. And we try to be, you know, as honest with, you know, some of the players as, as you can be. You know, some guys, you know, they, their aspirations for being an All-American are, you know, not, you know, not, I don't want to call it a silly aspiration, but, you know, there, there has to be some realism to it. Right. Um, and, and when we talk about those kind of things, and not that you ever want to burst, you know, a young man's bubble, but we need to be realistic. I think, you know, you, you, you've seen it, you know, we, we seem to be in this society where everybody gets a trophy. Right. And that's not the way that the real world works. And we want our guys to, again, have success, but have success at, at, in, in terms of, you know, their own level. You know, everybody wants to win the national championship. I want to win the national championship. But at the end of the day, only one team's going to hoist the trophy. Does that mean that the other, you know, 69 teams had, you know, unsuccessful seasons? Well, yes, you could say that. But there's got to be some other part of it that you look at that, you know, these kids are only going to be lacrosse players for four years. So where do you, where do you find, instead of not, not necessarily giving, you know, every kid a trophy, but finding a success you know, maybe a kid scored 30 goals and his, his goal was to, you know, get to 20. Well, that's a successful season for that young man. Right. You know, or maybe he got his first goal and he's a defensive midfielder. Well, that's a successful season for that young man. Sure. Maybe a guy was struggling in the classroom and all of a sudden, you know, he made the academic honor roll. Well, that's a success for that young man. And I would, I would tell you, you know, especially with our sport, and, you know, it's not college football, it's not college basketball or baseball or hockey where those guys are going to go off and, you know, be professional athletes. But what it's going to do is it's going to help get them ready, you know, for the next evolution of their life. Absolutely. And, you know, the common, the common you, know, um, um, you know, problems that they face and the common goals that they face are going to help them when they get into, you know, middle management or they're a doctor or they're a lawyer and they've got to, you know, you got a patient who's sitting on the table, you know, and it's, it's just like, you know, the, the, it's the fourth quarter and you're down by a goal and, you know, your team needs you. Well, you're a doctor and, you know, that guy needs you to make sure that you're operating on the right knee and not the left knee. Yeah. Well, you have to have great attention to detail. Sure. And I think, you know, a lot of those things are, you know, are, are played out on, you know, the, the fields, the pools, the ranks, you know, um, of in college athletics. And it's just not just, it's not just lacrosse, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge college football guy. I love watching college football. And you just, you know, I think football in general is, you know, one of the greatest team sports because, you know, if you're an offensive line and, 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 the, and the center's not doing his job, well, you know, it's going to screw up the other four guys. Or if the left tackle's not doing his job, the quarterback's going to get killed, especially if he's a right-handed quarterback. So, you know, it's just, I think that, that, that sports in general help young people sacrifice of themselves for the for the for the common good of of a teammate or or one of those kind of things now you could be a golfer or a tennis player or a swimmer where a lot more of your 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 game is or your your sport is individual 
but there's there is also a team component to that as as you look at you know winning your match or or, or your event for the overall good of your team to to get a team championship. So again, you, you can go back and forth as you look at sports, but you know I, I think that there's a reason why you know the service academies look at athletics as part of the curriculum, and I, I think a lot of the civilian schools would do themselves a favor in, in creating more well-rounded students if they took that, you know, if they took the understanding that, you know, athletics can be the front porch of your institution. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, the basis for a, a lot of the, the, what goes on up there at West Point. I mean, you're an athlete as well as a student, whether you're on a varsity sport or not. I mean, you, you have a sport, you have to have a sport. There's no, there's no getting through there without it. Every, you know, if it's intramural, it doesn't matter. Intramural club, varsity, doesn't matter. You know, full disclosure, right. I was a football player at West Point, not a lacrosse player. But I, but when I went there, which was, I'm going to date myself now, I went there in the early 80s. Um, West Point had a pretty darn good lacrosse team, and that was the first lacrosse that I saw was top level, you know, top five in the country type lacrosse. And mm-hmm. uh, I, that's where I kind of started my transition because I just thought it was such a great <laughs> game. But let me, let me go back to the goals real quick. If, if you sit down at the end of the fall, you got a 40, you know, 40, 45 minute talk with this kid and you sit down and you write out those goals and, and he walks away knowing, knowing exactly what he's got to do. When, when does he talk to you or when does he check up with you or who does he check up with on those goals? Like where he's at. To we talk, we, we, you know, you talk about it, you know, almost, you know, every day because the, the way that I usually end those meetings is it's like, okay, well, here are your goals. What can the coaching staff do to help you get toward your goals? So then after that conversation, now I know, you know, if, if I've had a conversation with Mike Murphy and Mike Murphy wants to get stronger in the weight room because that's going to help out his defense and stuff like that. So at every step along the way in practice, you know, you can remind a young man, hey, how are we doing in the weight room? You know, right. how are we doing on the wall? You know, remember, that's your goal. And, and that young man, you know, has that goal sheet in his playbook or taped to his locker. So he's looking at it every day. And, and again, and I think it's important that as you set goals, you write them down. Right. You know, there was, there, there, there's an old adage, you know, it, you know, a goal not written down is just a dream. You know, but if you write it down, all of a sudden there's some – there's some concreteness to that, you know, and it's looking at it and you're going, Hey, I wrote this thing down. Am I just, you know, am I just, is this just, you know, verbal or am I going to actually make this be something? Is it, am I going to, am I going to bring some realism to this? And and that's why I think it's important for our guys again to you know, have the conversation or, you know, you remind the guys, Hey, you know, you going out and staying out till, you know, two thirty in the morning on a, you know, a Tuesday night is not going to help you get, you know, that three, two, five, if that's what you want to do. So, I think we do a good job of, you know, as I talk to my, you know, my three assistants and our, our offensive coordinator, our defensive coordinator, and our volunteer coach, I ask those guys, you know, on a weekly basis, and this is something I learned, you know, at West Point from Coach Emmer and Coach Alberici, um, to make sure that we go in the locker room, and sometimes the subject matter that you talk to your guys about has nothing to do with lacrosse. You know, it's how your family doing, or, right. you know, how is, how is school going, or, or those kind of things, or, you know, how's the girlfriend, you know, all those different kind of things, because then what you do there is you create, a, uh, you know, you create a trust within your players. So they know that you're not just looking at them because you're their coach, but they're, you're, you're looking at them and you're looking out for them 
because you know you care about them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they when they feel that they they'll trust you. They'll they'll do a lot for you. They'll do a lot for each other. How do you? Um... And I and I and I think that that's just you know you you could sit here and I was just kind of you know playing back a lot of the things that we've talked about and you know nothing is you know very scholastic or or directly out of a book but it's just you know it, it's it's thinking about a young person and and just showing them that you care you don't have to read it in a book it's it's just you know it, it's just basic human nature right we we all search for some solution in a book somewhere and the bottom line is we just need to reflect on you know these kids and what their goals are and get behind yeah, them absolutely yeah and and then recognize it i mean people people need attention and the attention they need needs to be positive i think you know i was reading the other day it's you know we we hate to make everything positive like we said before you know a trophy for everybody but uh, you know it's the it doesn't take much it's it's noting that thing that they do well when they're doing it well and you know that reinforcement just it build it goes a long way towards you know their own personal motivation, their own uh, personal you know focus behind what the team's about and and what they're being asked to do and and their role on the team. I mean they they right. embrace it when they know that you're embracing it. Uh, right. Yeah. So, do you um how do you communicate standards to your players? Not just playing standards, but you know standards of conduct. Let me give you an example on my on my team. The first thing. I always tell attackers is when you're riding uh, and you want to go ahead and do a, a rap check on somebody, I want to see two hands mm-hmm. on that stick because I want to see, I want you to have control of it. And I want to see these one handed wrap around uh, that are out of control because I know the referees don't like it. And I know you don't, you can't control it. Um, so that's one of those you know, standards that I try to communicate from a play standpoint, but it's also a little bit about conduct because we know why mm-hmm. those guys do that. You know, they're, they're being mm-hmm. lazy in a lot of cases, or they're being showy in other cases. But how do you, what, how do you communicate standards on your team? How do you develop them? You just develop them through practice and repetition, to be honest with you. And I will, I don't want to argue with you, but I would say to my own team, there's a time and a place for everything. So if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. Yeah, so okay. if, if we're going to teach our guys, you know, there might be a, a way to, you know, throw one and hit a wrap check that your, you know, your body is still in front of your guy and you're forcing that, that defenseman to roll back into the middle of the field. But again, if you're just kind of, you know, you're being lazy about it, then that's the wrong time to do it. It's the same thing with, you know, shooting the ball behind the back or throwing a bounce pass or, you know, a one-handed ground ball. There's a time and a place for everything. So, you know, we, we practice it. You know, we practice one-hand ground balls. We practice they're shooting the ball behind our back. We practice throwing the ball behind our back because you just never know when that play is the right play. No, and, and I don't, I don't disagree practice with it, you. I, I don't disagree you, you with know. you there. I mean, I, no, I, I, and, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, what I wanted to say is I agree with you, and that's what I tell them. If you're going to do it, then show me in practice that you can. Don't pull this thing out of yes. the game and tell me, Right. right. Now, this yep. is, you know, I'm going to pull this out because I got a crowd watching me and it, it looks cool. You know, I'm going to do this right. little and toe drag that I've never done in practice. No, yeah. Tell me that you know when to use it in practice. Then I don't have a problem with that. And, and that's exactly what it is. It's gaining trust in practice. And that's what we talk to our guys about all the time. Is, you know, if there's going to be the young man that shoots the ball behind his back and it's the wrong time and 
you and you correct them at that point. And, and, there's, and inevitably it will happen in the next couple of days of practice. And we'll pull the guys aside and say, well, you know, this is the wrong time to do it. And then all of a sudden it will happen in the right time. And you stop practicing and say, now this is the right time. to do it. Right. What, you know, uh, again, I, I know you're out there in Cleveland, Ohio, but you know, I, I'm a, I'm a new England guy. So I'm, I'm a big Belichick guy. So I, well, you always talk to our guys about situational awareness. And, and understanding this the situation and and what the what is uh you know what is needed at that particular situation so and I think that's a big thing you know obviously in the military you know you're 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 walking through a you know a village in, in, in sort of some situation in a hostile environment you have to be aware of your surroundings and understand the situation and you know what are the you know what what's what are the rules of you know contact and, and those kind of things and if you understand those things through practice, and I think that goes back to my, you know, what we were talking about earlier. I remember sitting, you know, at Army Lacrosse Camp, you know, one of my middle years there, and 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 Coach Alvarisi used to do a great job of bringing back a lot of the, you know, the former players who had either retired from the Army or or on leave, but were still, you know, active in in coaching or whether it was the youth level or 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 whatnot on the high school level. And I remember sitting at lunch with those guys one time and a couple of them had just, you know, recently retired. So they'd done, you know, they were recently deployed, whether it was like Iraq or Afghanistan. And I just kind of asked them, I said, you know, how do you get ready for those things? And they all kind of said to me, coach, it's like the scouting report. You know, the mission is game day, but we prepare for the mission every single day for months on end leading up for that mission or for a week or a day or whatever it may be, depending on, you know, the severity of the mission. And we have our, we have our intelligence, which is like your scout report. We go over the intelligence in nauseam. So, you know, when, as my dad said, everybody has a plan until the first bullet goes running by your head. And then you got to make sure that you're, you're, you're trained as well as you can be. And again, there's always, you know, there's always, the constant analogies, you know, and the comparisons with sports and in, in, in the military, and you know, it does the military and what our guys do a disservice. But you can see, you know, kind of where I'm going with this yeah, in terms absolutely. of the preparations for, you know, success. Success in in, in a game is, is winning the game. Success on a mission is making sure everybody gets home, you know, in in, in one piece. Absolutely. I mean, I, I obviously use a lot of the uh, military. Uh, analogies with my kids so probably to a point where they're getting sick of it but yeah um, me too <laughs> but it, but it's so true i mean it, it, the, the military has to has to prepare for some really you know life altering situations or life taking situations and so you know that's that's what these these kids put that kind of emphasis on themselves in the game so it, it does it does follow and by the way i'm in the i am in that hotbed of cincinnati ohio so, Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, how about? I think I know the answer to this question now after listening to you for so long. But I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you do to prepare your team for games? Are there any rituals or uh, things that that you, know, that you do uh, game to game that are something that does seem to to get your team uh, focused? Not that they don't get there in practice, but is there anything that's a, a ritual that you, that you guys like to do at Colgate that you think uh, helps them out? Not really. Um, not really. I, you know, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. So in terms of, you know, we have our 85 minute pregame practice that we go through and, you know, we do those specific drills on a Friday to get us ready. And, 
you know, scouting reports on a Thursday. So, I mean, I, you could probably say our practices are somewhat ritualistic because of, you know, the, the commonplace of them. But, I, you know, to, to I don't want to say that I've got, you know, anything gimmicky or, or you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah, we don't do anything that's out of the ordinary besides, you know, making sure that we're at the, you know, a heightened set of readiness and we know our opponent the best that we can and, you know, are ready to, you know, have a contingency plan if they, you know, if we think they're going to, you know, be in one offense and they come out in another offense, well, you know, we we are as best we, as as best prepared for that as as we can be. Um, you know, I think that part of me is it's just you know it's it's attention the attention to the details and and making sure that that we're you know we're versed in, in all the things that are going to help us be successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, putting it all together and your 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 season plan, your practice plans, everything kind of follows from there. So so game day. What what are your what are your duty? If you had to describe what you expect from your captains, I mean, you, you get captains at the end of the fall. What mm-hmm. is what is their duty, so to speak? What what are the things that you expect from them? I expect them to be, you know, the the the, the next version of me. To be honest with you, you know, I want them to echo the same things, you know, that that I'm talking about it. You know, they need to, you know, cap, I think the captaincy on, on any good team is a two-way street. And, and any good coach is not going to lead in a vacuum. You've got to listen. You've got to be able to listen to your people. And, you know, there may be some practices where, you know, I think it's the greatest practice in the world and the kids absolutely hate it. And you're not, you're going to get to the point of diminishing return if you're not listening to those leaders. And I want our guys to, to have a comfort level in coming to me and being like, uh, coach, we may want to rethink this. And, and not that I want to let the inmates run the asylum, right. but I also want our guys to be confident that, and, and not only confident, but take ownership in what we're doing. Because, you know, my, my, the, the standard that I want to set for our own team is I want our seniors to drive the, to, to drive the train or, or, or steer the car or whatever analogy you want to do, you want to use there. Because this is their last year. This is going to be the year, you know, that they're remembered for. Um, and, and just because you have juniors, you know, at, at, or are your seniors as juniors, and, I, and I'll take last year for a perfect example, that were, you know, key ingredients to our Patriot League championship, that was those seniors. That was Ryan Walsh and, 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 and Matt Clarkson. Well, you know, now it's time for Tyler Rigo and Andrew Eicher and Cam Williams and, you know, our other seniors to take, full, to take hold and make this team theirs, and it should be a great, you know, image of themselves, but also with the understanding that, hey, you know, there's a way that we do things around here, and, you know, we, we look at it in terms of, you know, our core values are being accountable, committed, and loyal. You know, you're accountable by you're doing your job. You know, everybody's got their own job, whether you're the starter or you're the reserve attackman whose job is to be, you know, the other team's best, you know, best player. You're committed. You're doing everything that you need to do to get your job done. So, you know, two leads into one, and then you're loyal. You're loyal to the guys around you. You're, you're able to sacrifice the me for the we. And, and that's what our program is built on. And what I need my captain to be is the, is the physical embodiment of those, of those core values. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, the sacrifice the me for the we. I've had an assistant coach once who was – that was that was he would say that almost every day, and it, it, the the guys would, you know, pick up on it, and they just 
internalize it because you internalize it. I mean, it's all about the team. Um, let me get into some, some other stuff um, that's a little bit uh, less uh, on that same topic, but still on the, the topic of uh, how we organize the kids and get them uh, to, to prepare. What, what, do you, what do you do with um, evaluation? Do you, use, you guys use video to evaluate? Obviously, you watch games, but how do you, how do you get in time for your video, and, and, and how does that go? Is that something that they have to do on their own, or is that something that, you know, to evaluate their play, they, you sit down with them? How do you guys work that? A little, it's, we, we do a little bit of both. You know, we'll, we'll watch film as a team, you know, prior to practice. You know, I don't – what we try to do is, you know, maybe if, if there's some significant clips that we need to watch, but I don't want the clips, you know, to be any more than 15 minutes. These kids have been doing a lot all day, you know, whether right. it's their schoolwork or, or even just trying to get some time to themselves. And you just don't want to create a stale practice by having these guys stand, sit around in the locker room. So, you know, if you get – you know, 10 minutes of film, you know, five times a week, that's 50 minutes of film. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then you've got guys that have a free period or, you know, free time during the day Well, they'll come down and they'll see, they'll sit down with their position coach or they may come in, there might be an offensive guy and he can't go in. He doesn't have time to see coach Abbott. So we'll come in and see me and we'll talk about it. Um, so we film every single practice. We film, you know, all of our games. And then uh, at Colgate, there's a, you know, there's a, an 1130 to 1230 block on Tuesdays that's open for kids to make office hours for their professors. And, you know, so a lot of guys will come down during that time period. So they'll, they'll watch themselves. And I think, you know, film study is, is real easy because you, you and I can sit and I can talk to you about the things that you're doing right or the things that you're doing wrong. But unless you see it, unless you see yourself dropping your hands or, you know, coming out on an approach and you're making a T-stop and you're, and you're, and you're closing your hips you know, too soon. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's a verbal interaction. There's no mental interaction there. And, and so we do a lot of that stuff um, through film study. And, and again, we find time to do it. And as I said, we, we, we try to get about an hour, hour or so in every week. Um, you know, a lot of it early in the week is, has to do with, you know, our own personal stuff and how we play as a player. And during the season, then you can start to turn your attention to your opponent. So you, again, you, you, you continue to work on, as we talked about, our situational awareness, knowing you know, that, that this guy from Navy dodges this way in this situation or this is the offense that Loyola runs or this is what you know, Army does when you know, they're clearing or riding. So our guys, you know, there's, just, there's some film study that goes behind it. And what, what we try to do with that, again, is, is you take a very academic approach to it and, you know, your, your scouting report is kind of like the notes that you would take as you get ready for an exam. And, right. and we try to talk to our guys is, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a smart student, you're not cramming for the exam on, on Tuesday for the Wednesday exam. You're, 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 you're taking chunks of it every single day, you know? So when you get to the exam, you're not overwhelmed by the moment you, you prepared yourself for it. And, and that's, you know, that's the way we take a lot of approaches to, you know, just getting better and, and, and making sure that, you know, you're doing everything that you need to do, as I said, to be accountable, committed, and loyal. Oh, I like the way you have that set, set up because in, in a way it, it kind of works into other areas of their life. I mean, if you're going to do a little bit of film every day, there's a discipline involved with 
you know, taking the time to set that up and do it, but it's a routine that they get into. It's a habit that builds, you know, excellence overall in the end, instead of trying to cram mm -hmm. it because you're just not yep. going to be able to sit down and do that all in one setting. I like that. That's, uh, that's good. Um, coaching duties. It sounds like, uh, you, you have enough coaches for just about every position. Is that how they're laid out? Or do you have somebody who is the offensive coordinator and somebody who is the defensive coordinator and that, and, or do you just have, positions? yeah, we have, we have coordinators. I, I oversee, you know, both sides of the ball, but Michael Abbott, who's my associate head coach has been with me, you know, as we go into our fifth season together, uh, he coordinates, he's the offensive coach. So he handles, you know, all the skill development of our offensive players. So that would be the, for the midfielders and the attack. And then Judd Hall is our newest assistant. Uh, he joins us from Ohio State. Yeah, and, I know Judd. and Judd's our defensive coordinator. Uh, and Judd handles the goalies. He was an unbelievable goalie at Ohio Wesleyan. And then he'll also be the position coach for, you know, the, the, the defense as well as, you know, uh, our D-middies. I help on both sides with more of a, you know, an affiliation to the defensive side, being a defensive player in my own right. You know, 100 years ago, back in uh, you know at the University of New Hampshire, and then our volunteer coach is a, is a young man named Matt Abbott, and and Matt is Michael's brother, um, and, and and Matt played at, played his, his collegiate ball at Syracuse, and then um, is a member of the of the world of the of our last world team, as well as a member right. of the the Bayhawks, and and Matt's probably one of the, the greatest defensive midfielders in the world right now. So Matt helps you know with our faceoff game. Uh, defensive midfield play. So, again, between the three of us, Matt, myself, and Judd, you know, we, we do a pretty good job of balancing, you know, all of the defensive personnel. And then, you know, between Michael, Matt, and my and and and, uh, and myself, we do a good job of balancing, you know, the offensive guys as well. So, you know, there's a day that, you know, Matt wants to or Mike wants Matt to be with the midfielders and he wants to take the attack. We're able to do that. There's sometimes, you know, where we may break the face-off wing guys off by themselves. And Matt will take those guys. I'll take the face-off guys. You know, Mike's got the offense, and, and, and Judd's got the defense. So, you know, I wouldn't say that we have a coach for every single position. We have the NCAA maximum number that we can have right. um, to, you know, to to include, you know, an operations guy who handles the majority of our film and our equipment. Um, you'd you'd love to have a you know a face-off guy, a goalie guy, a defensive coordinator like be on a football team, but. You know, it, it just doesn't work that way. So what we try to do again is, is, is just you try to stay organized with the whole thing. And, you know, I have weekly meetings or daily meetings with my staff to discuss, you know, personnel, to discuss, you know, the, the, the practice that just happened as well as the practices that are going to happen moving forward. And, um, again, it's just, it's just the organizational management behind the whole thing. Um, making sure that you're putting your players in the in the best situations to be successful. Okay, so and I I can relate to that uh, organization. I kind of do it a lot the same way, and we're we're limited at the high school level, not by how many they let us have, but by how many we can find. But right, um, you know, come game day, I, are there roles for uh, for coaches and uh, for game management? Uh, you have that broken down a certain way. Yep, same way. And Michael, again, Michael will will coordinate the defense, and then Mike runs the box. Yeah. He runs the substitution area, and nobody gets in his way when it, uh -huh. when it comes to that. Um, you know, I I'll manage the referees and uh, as best I can, and, and and continue, you know, to to talk to the team in terms of our overall 
you know, game plan, and, and then Coach Hall will, will handle the defensive stuff. So, you know, if our opposition, you know, takes a timeout and, and we're on the defensive side of the ball, Coach Hall will speak first, and we'll, we'll get it. We'll understand the situation that we're in. Um, Coach Abbott may say, you know, a couple words to the, uh, the offense when we get the ball back. And then I'll give, you know, a, a general concept, whether it's you know, the special teams riding and clearing what we're doing there. Um, and, and, you know, just probably some, some general rah-rah stuff. And then that's, that's usually a two minute timeout right. and you send your guys, you know, back out onto the field. So again, it's just, it's making sure that your coaches have the, the ability to, to lend their voice to it. Because again, I, I'm just a firm believer that you can't lead in a vacuum. Ultimately I have to make the final decision on, on some things coming out of a timeout or whether we're going to zone or whether we're going to 10 man ride or those kind of things. But, you know, I think that those, those instances lend themselves to doing it in practice. If you know what you're going to do, you know, and you've been practicing it, well, when the, when the moment arises in the game, you know, it, it's, it's, it's already been spelled out for you. It's not like we're going to try to, you know, drop a play in the sand to, uh, you know, to, to, to do the game winner or to, to be the defense of the game winner. Uh, if you're smart about it, you're prepared for it. All right. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned something there that uh, I thought was uh, interesting. I've never heard the uh, your head coach duty quite listed that way, but you said manage the referees. What, what does that mean to you? Well, I think, you know, you've, you've got to be able to have conversations with those guys. I mean, there's only three of them out there, or at the high school level, it may be two of them. And if you're constantly yelling at them, they're going to tune you out, or all of a sudden, you know, the 50-50 call is just not going to go your way. Right. And if you're in a situation where you respect what they're trying to do, they're going to respect what you're going to, what you're trying to do. And, you know, everybody's looking for that, you know, that 50, 50 call. Was it, was it a push? Was it a good hit? You know, is it a, you know, was, was he really offside? You know, is it, is the slow whistle on the face off? And again, you want to be as respectful to those guys as you possibly can. And you want to make sure that your assistants aren't yelling at them. You have to make sure, you know, as right as rain that your, your players are not yelling at them. That's just not something that right. we, you know, you talk about the standard, uh, you know, uh, the, the last thing you're going to do if you're one of my players is, you know, start barking in an official. Um, but there are guys that, you know, they have those moments and, oh, yeah. you know, you got to have to discipline for it and, and, and guys understand. And again, they're young guys and they're in the heat of the moment. And, you know, they may have thought that it was a push or it wasn't a push. And, you know, they turn around and say something and you've got to be able to manage that. And you, you know, where the referee, if, if you've got a, good relationship with those guys well it's it's probably hey coach you need to get a hold of number five right. you know the next time he says something i'm going to flag him for an unsportsmanlike so then you can go over to number five and say hey you know mr jones just said this you've got to you know you got to i understand you're you're upset that they missed that call but you gotta you know we gotta we gotta be mindful of these guys we don't want to do anything that, that's going to cost our team you know a, a chance of victory absolutely i mean i, I kind of have the same, and I just wanted to hear your take on it, but I kind of have the same thing. It's, it's, it's tough to, to almost manage your assistant coaches sometimes because they all get, you know, everybody gets excited. And, uh, but I don't, think, uh, I don't think it's good to have that in front of the boys. I think that the example is let the head coach take care of it and, uh, and manage the, uh, the referee relationship. I like the way you put that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. you know, and I think – you know, if, if you've got great assistants, they're going to be passionate and there's, they're going to be, 
you know, there will be an argument, you know, on the sideline or something like that. But you got to make sure that, you know, it's, it's handled properly. And I talk to my guys all about it all the time. You know, there's going to be, you know, a moment where I turn to Coach Hall and I'm like, what the heck are we doing defensively? Right. You know, and, and I remember I took this from Mike Caravan at Denison. I worked, I worked with Mike for two years uh, at Denison. And he uh, said to me, he goes, he goes, Mike, there's going to be a time in a game where I'm going to turn around and I'm actually going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to blame the whole world on you. And I just need you to take it. He's like, I'll apologize, but if I don't yell at you, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to lose the guys. Cause if I yell at them, I might lose them. But yeah. if I yell at you, it'll, it'll get their attention. I, I was can, like, okay, coach, whatever you need. You <laughs> I, know, can, and, and I can I, hear him and, saying and that. I took that. And I, and I took that, you know, I, and, and as part of my own, kind of, you know, vernacular with my own guys. It's like, you know what, Mike, there might be a time where this guy takes a really bad shot and I'm going to snap, you know, and, and I'm going to blame you for it. And then they're going to realize if, if they're, they're like, oh, man, I don't want to let Coach Abbott down. Is Coach Murphy's going to, you know, yell at him or something like that. Or, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place where, you know, Judd may say to Mike, come on, man, we don't need that shot. We, we've been playing a lot of defense. I mean, yeah. you've, got, you've got passionate players. And, you know, I, I remember – you know, again, we're talking about the, you know, the New England Patriots and stuff like that. That, you know, Bill O'Brien is now at the Houston Texans. There was a game where he's in the face of Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. You know, and, and but he made a bad decision. You know, when everybody wants to win and it's and it's a competitive environment, and and to show, you know, the passion that you all have for one another, that can help create, you know, the environment and the culture that you want within your team. If done right, because you've got 48 guys that are scratching and clawing to, you know, to, to get victory. And it's, you know, we love each other enough to be hard on one another. Yeah. Um, I think that that's the most important thing that, that young people realize that just because somebody's yelling at you doesn't mean they, they're, they're mad at you. You know, they might be disappointed in you, but they're, they're, they're more disappointed because you're not reaching your ultimate potential, you know, yeah. and, and that's what we all strive for as coaches and, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's with tough love, as, you know, as I've said to our guys at times. You know, there are a lot of times where I'm, I'm quick with the whip, but there are other times where I'm going to be quick with the hug. And, you know, it's, it's up to me to kind of understand that about you as the player. And, right. and, and that's the, you know, that's the psychology of, of the coaching piece of that is. You know, you've got young men and young ladies that respond better to, you know, public, you know, public criticism and some of them don't. And it's like the last thing you can do is, 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 is say something to a young person in public because that's going to absolutely put them in a shell. But they need to realize that you understand that. And, you know, you go up to them and you whisper in their ear and like, come on, man, that's a, that's a bad shot. You can't be taking that. And they understand it right. more so than if you were turned around and said, Paul, what are you doing shooting that shot? In front of, <laughs> you know, it was 47 teammates. And then all of a sudden now he's taking 15 more bad shots because right. – now he's, he's he's either frustrated or you, you know you 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 just put him into a shell or whatnot. And again, it's it's just the psychology of coaching. And and I think you know to for any good coach, you know, in in, in, what, in as you as you kind of hone your own craft, is you can't be afraid to realize that you know it's okay not to know. But there are plenty of people out there that either do know, or you can do your research to find out what you need to do with your own players or you know, a situation that works for somebody else that if you tweak it, you know, can, can work for you. I think there's a great book, you know, Toughness by Jay Billis. You know, it yeah, is, a, it is a basketball, it is a basketball book. 
but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of life lessons in that thing. And you can put, you can term, you can put it in terms of football or baseball or lacrosse uh, in, in terms of just the way that you approach the game or you approach life um, in, in a lot of different situations. I mean, there's some fictional books and you can just, you know, you interpret the way that, you know, the, the main character when he came across, you know, a, 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 a situation in his own life and, and, you know, the way that he handled them. And, 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 and so, you know, you can't be, you can't stop learning, you know, no. and you always want to continue to, you know, make yourself better through your own education or, you know, professional development. Hey, you mentioned uh, Jay Billis's book, Toughness. I read that one too. I really enjoyed it. That's a lot, got a lot of good out of it. Are there any other books or resources that you'd recommend to other coaches to help them develop their, uh, you know, their programs or their style? You know, I think, and it's funny, it's, it's actually a book that, um, a colonel friend, and it has nothing to do with coaching. It just kind of has to do with leadership. And I'm sure, you know, being a West Point guy, you've read it, is Once an Eagle yeah, by Anton book. Myra. Yeah. You know, it's just, and it's just about leadership and about trying to do the right thing, you know, in, in the face of adversity. And, you know, <laughs> unfortunately in that book, you know, the, 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 the kind of the villain of the, of the book is, is kind of, he's a West Point graduate. Right. You know, he's kind of trying to do things by the book. And, you know, the, 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 the hero, I guess, if you would say in the book is, you know, a, a, you know, a country kid from Nebraska yeah. and just kind of doing what we were talking about earlier is just trying to do right by your people and understanding, you know, that leadership 101 might be sometimes is, you know, how do you interpret the rule book as opposed to, you know, just, you know, spitting out, you know, these are the regs and um, along those lines. Right. Um, you know, uh, those are two books that are, you know, huge, uh, you know, on, on my list, um, you know, leading with the heart from coach K, yep. um, is, is a, is another one that, you know, I've taken a lot out of, um, there's actually, you know, it's not necessarily like it, it's a book, but it's called a season in words by Dan Spanauer. And it's just what Dan did is he took all these kind of quotes from, you know, different coaches. And he just kind of broke it up into the different seasons, you know, the preseason, in the season, you know, lost three in a row, one, you know, one, three in a row. And it's just, you know, different quotes that you can kind of help steer your own team in the direction that they need to be, you know, steered in. So those, you know, the, the, the season in words is, you know, it's, as I, as I made comment to somebody is, you know, it's, that's in my bag every single day we travel. Yeah, you know, it's in my briefcase, and you know, every time I'm, I'm thinking about you know the the final words of our of our scouting report. I'm I'm li- I'm kind of flipping through that book to look for the you know for the perfect quote for our team. And I think Dan's done a good job of doing research over the course of, you know, and he's a basketball coach, and and uh, my my daughter's godfather is a is a is a high profile basketball coach, um, and he he sends me stuff all the time. So, you know, you're always stealing from other guys. And um, another another book that's on my list of, of books to read is a book called Legacy by James Kerr. And that's a, it's the story of the uh, the New Zealand All Blacks, yeah. um, the, the rugby team uh, out of New Zealand, who is one of the most successful you know, professional programs across sports. You know, they're the, they're the New York Yankees of the, um, uh, you know, of the rugby world. Oh, yeah. and, and I guess it's just... It's just looking at, you know, how do you develop your guys and how do you 
continue to develop the culture, you know, within your own program where, you know, sometimes that culture will be tested because you want to get the star player, but the star player might not be a star person. Right. And you've got to find the right people for your organization. And just because the right person at, you know, Johns Hopkins is the right person for Johns Hopkins, they might not be the right person for Colgate. And you've got to understand, you know, your own, who you are. And, and I think that that as a, as a young coach, you know, that was, you, know, you want to get those, you know, blue chip recruits, but sometimes, you know, blue chip recruits aren't blue chip people and they can, yeah. they can make their way at a big school where, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be the fly in the ointment at a small school. Sure. Well, coach, you've, you've like filled me up here. I mean, I got, now I have two <laughs> books that Amazon's going to get a sale on here in the next 10 minutes. And, yeah, I didn't have the season of words, but that sounds exactly like something that I would carry in my bag too. I, I just I love that stuff. Um, I it's just there's just a ton of gems and value bombs, I guess you that you just dropped on me here, and and, and everybody else who's going to get to listen to this. Um, I just want I want to thank you for your time uh, and you know all that you've done for you know putting the, your team together up there at Colgate and and putting a, a great a bunch of players together, and, and I want to wish you luck going into this season, even though that means that uh, winning the Patriot League again is going to put you over Army. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, when, I, when you play that game, I'm going to have to be on the other side of the field. But I go back to West Point this weekend for my 30th reunion. Oh, wow. So, uh, hopefully, That's we'll awesome. bring, bring the first win of the season to the Army football team. Uh, yeah, I hope so, too. We were... Uh... We've been we watched them, um, you know, both weekends with CBS College Sports, or yeah. I don't know who they were, what channel they were on when they were playing Fordham. Uh, we watched that game, and then uh, this most recent Connecticut game. Uh, you know, I, I think Coach Munkin's doing a great job there, and you know, it's going to take some time. It's yeah. going to take some time to you know to to write that. Uh, you know, I'm sorry for the pun, but write that ship. But I think they got the right guy for it. You know, Blue Corrigan's doing a great job as as their athletic director. Um, and I can't say enough great things about Joe Alberici, their lacrosse coach. Oh yeah, I'm still trying to get him to come talk to me. So I'll be uh, I'll be sending him a, another follow up to see if I can get him on this. But you've given me a, a, a ton of great stuff tonight, Coach. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that people are going to love to listen to this. You've got a lot of enthusiasm for your for the sport and a lot of passion for for coaching these guys, and uh, it really comes across. And I know it's going to motivate a lot of people who listen to this. So I want to thank you again. And uh, again, wish you good luck going into the next season. You too. Glad, glad, uh, glad I was able to spend some time with you. You know, appreciate you reaching out to us, and good luck with your own team, and, and, and good luck with uh, with your podcast. Have a great night. All right, thanks, Mike. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. This has been Laxicon. Thanks for listening.